Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus Christ. There is none other in heaven or on earth. Welcome to another episode of Hope in Christ with Denise. Here on Kingdom Influencers Broadcast, where we place our hope in the only hope there is, Christ our Lord. Welcome, 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 welcome back to Hope in Christ with Denise here on Kingdom Influencers Broadcast. I am your host, Pastor Denise, and I welcome you to today's teaching and today's show. We're going to be talking about editing and the elephant in the room, which we're talking about the topic of editing. Um, So I have another um, publisher and writer on the line with me, and before we begin, we're going to open up with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, O oh God, for everything that you are in our lives. We pray, O oh God, that those that are listening, that you have called to write, Father, we pray that they would hear something, O oh God, that you can get to them and so that they can operate in the excellence that you have called us for to operate in. Father, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. So, again, we are here to talk about um, the elephant in the room. We're talking about editing. And we are celebrating Christian literature for the month of November, and we decided to talk about some different topics that have to do with um, actually writing and being a writer for Christ. And so one of our topics for this month is the elephant in the room, and we're talking about the topic of editing. And um, that is one of the things that is a hot topic, and we're going to chat for a moment about what it is, why it's important, and also why is it the elephant in the room. And so before we begin with the panel discussion of questions, I want to bring in um, Zara, who is also a author. I want her to introduce herself to everyone. Hey, Denise, how are you? Good. Good. Hey, everyone. I am Zara Brodenax. I'm a retired military of 20 years in the United States Army. I'm an author uh, who did three collaborations, and I'm a publisher who owns Gathering House Publishing. I'm also on a travel company, and I'm a a long-term sub right now. So um, I'm a wife and have two kids, and I'm a licensed minister. Amen. Thank you, Zara, for introducing yourself. So um, those that are new or listening in for the first time, um, I am Pastor Denise and founder of Hope in Christ Ministries. And through Hope in Christ, we established a book club called Hope in Christ Book Club. And also my business side is that I am a copy editor and a developmental editor and also an instructor of English language arts. And so um, a lot of people don't know that, and so I wanted to bring that out before we begin and we jump in and talk about editing. So I'm going to let Zara answer the first question, and then I'll come back and answer the same question. So the question is, um, and we'll start with Zara, uh, the question is, why is editing so important? Oh, wow, why is editing so important? Well, for me... Um, before I became a writer, I was an avid reader, 
And who wants to read something that doesn't make sense or is grammatically incorrect? Um, to me, it kind of shows who you are, that if you would put a product out and it's not to a certain standard that the majority of people are used to or accustomed to. Um, I remember being a part of a book, and it's the second book that I'm a part of, and the writers of the book complained to the publisher that she did not do any editing. Um, it didn't look professional. It didn't read well. And they were very disappointed, and they were hurt. And so for me, editing, and editing is like the first thing you need after you get your manuscript. You need to get someone to look at it who can help you make sure that it's conceptually correct, that it flows well, it has a good plot, um, that it's going to grab people's attention, that it's going to be grammatically correct, that it's going to have the correct lingo. Um, it is, to me, you can publish anything and call it a book, but if you want something that's a direct reflection of you, you want to make sure you go through editing first. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zara, for answering. And I'm going to piggyback on what you were just saying um, when you said having a standard. Um, I believe as a um, just a reader, like you said, an avid reader, that it's important before you even start writing that you become a reader or you, if you haven't already been reading because reading helps develop those um, skills that may you may not necessarily have. You can see it written properly in a book. And so um, being an avid reader is very important in order to improve in the writing. Also, editing, um, to just add to what Zara is saying, if you don't edit, by the time you get to the reviews of Amazon or wherever, most of the time your reviews will come from Amazon. And so when people see that and they start, as soon as they open it and then it's errors that take away from the message of the book or the theme of the book or whatever you're trying to convey to them, they don't want to read anymore. And so now you have a product out there um, and then you're disappointed because they've eaten it alive with bad reviews. And so that's one of the reasons for why it's so important to edit. Now, is it going to be always perfect? No. And there are times I wanted to add where let's say um, if there's ever a time where you have to go back and fix it. Well, being a self-publisher, you can always go back and fix some things, but always make sure you're operating in excellence because the word says do all things as unto the Lord. And so we have to make sure if God called us to do something that we're putting out the best product that we can. So that's the first answer that we wanted to talk about with why is editing so important. And so the second question I had is the process of editing, and I'll start with that, and then Zara, you can jump in um, afterwards. So okay. the process of editing is a beast. <laughs> so I'm going to start with that. Is saying that the process can be a beast because it depends on the length of your book. It depends on how much is needed. So um, I found just as an editor and copy editor, developmental editing, I found that the author wants to rush editing. 
sometimes, not all the time, but there are times where the author is like, I want my book out, I want my book out. But if you are rushing the process, then, again, it goes back to what we were talking about, why it's so important to make sure it's edited. Because if you rush it, then you have the opportunity or the um, something may happen where the editor is saying, well, no, I choose not to have my name on this book or something like that because now you're putting that product out because you just want to get it out there. And so that's what I want to say about the process of editing. And Zara, you can jump in. Uh, what I... But I, what comes to my mind when I think of the process of editing, especially as a publisher, besides being a writer, is the scripture where it says <laughs> there's a season for everything. You know, there's a season to live, there's a season to die. And there's a season for you to go through editing. Um, when I think of editing, when it comes to writers, I have it on my side as publishers. Everybody's like, what does the editor say? When are we going to get it back from the editor? You know, it took you longer than one day to write the book. It should take them longer than one day to edit the book. And if someone gives you an edit back within two days, I would be nervous. And did they really edit that book? You know, it's, it's, it was a process for you to write. I know when I'm writing, I, I, when I'm writing a story or I'm writing a short story or a novel or a poem or whatever, I have to visualize what it is I want to say. How do I want this to happen? What's going through? Whether it be... Fictional or nonfiction, I have to go through a birthing process almost in order to get it out of me. Well, the person who is editing that, one, they, they're probably conscious of the fact. I know, Denise, I've worked with you in the past a lot of times. I'm, I'm quite sure you're very conscious of the fact that they have placed a part of them on the papers, and you don't want to scrutinize it. You don't want to remove who they are. You just want to go ahead and enhance the beauty that's already on the page. But that takes time. It's like a person, a woman putting on makeup. She won't be able to put a full face of makeup on in two seconds. It's going to take her some time, no matter how long you have done it in your life. And to me, editing is the same. And you can't rush something. You cannot rush how long it goes through editing because what you're rushing is a piece of you. It's not going to be complete. It's not going to be its best. And it's not going to be what people are drawn to. What I love about when you have something edited and, it's, and it's, it's great where people can read it, they don't mind telling others about it. And so now you actually have more people hearing about your book. So don't rush editing. It may seem like it's forever, but it's, it's probably shorter than it took for you to write the book, but it's a needed process. Now, it is part of the longest phase. Of, of that I always tell my people who are coming to publish a book. Editing will take a while, and that's okay. Stick with me through the process, and we'll get through it to the end. Amen, amen. Thank you um, for sharing that, Zara. Um, again, if I can be transparent, even on my writing side, I, the book I just finished, um, Hannah's Heart, when, even when you step away from it for a moment and you go back to it, you're like, wait a minute, I didn't see that. So you're always, always perfecting things. And um, and so I found myself going right back and making a couple proofs and putting it back on the way it's supposed to be because we have to make sure we're done, doing it in excellence. Um, as a reader, I love books. I love Christian books. I love to read. But if it's a book that has a lot of errors in it, it stops. I just stop, and I won't read any more of it. And so... 
that's the risk we're running when we are not getting it fully edited. And also, another thing I want to talk about with the process, like Zara was saying, if they get it right back to you, it probably wasn't edited. Grammarly is not an editor. So those that use Grammarly and things like that, that's not an editor. It may assist, but it's not an editor. And so we have to be very careful when, um, and then actually see what they do. See how that person knows how to write. Have them send you samples so that you know for sure that they're going to do a good job for you. So that's um, what I wanted to say about that. So my next question is, the topic that we've been talking about is why is it the elephant in the room? So, um, Dara, do you want to jump in and answer first? The question again is why is yeah. it the elephant in the room? In the room. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump right on in. <laughs> why is it the elephant in the room? Well, if you know, I'm, I'm probably the anomaly. I love editing because I want you to be able to look at my stuff and tell me um, what, I, what is right, what is wrong, because I want to put my best out. But for others, one, cost. People don't want to pay money for editing. They want, and I say this as a publisher and just as a person who has been around some writers, they don't want to pay for editing. One of the first questions they want to ask is, how much does that cost? You know, when you're going to get your hair done, if your stylist charge you 70 bucks, to get a relaxer or to get your hair pressed out, you're not going to really complain. You're going to pay it. If you go to buy a new outfit, yeah, you're going to look at some prices, but once you find that perfect shirt or the perfect pair of pants, you're going to pay the price. Why is it when it comes to something that you're going to have the world to see and have access to forever? You don't want to pay. You think it costs too much. You know, it, it costs an in a, in a exuberant amount of money. It does not. It is worth every penny, every cent that it is. And if you find the right kind of editor, they will work with you. Um, another reason why people don't like editing is they don't want to be told that their story isn't great or no one likes their story. They don't want to be, go through a rewrite. They don't want to be told that they need to fix some issues because, you know, I wrote this story and I know my story and you don't know how to say it like I can. Yes, we can. We're not going to tell you your story, but we will advise you on how to make your story more appealing to the masses. So it's correct. It's being corrected. People don't like correction. Those, those are, the, you know, it, it's that, it's besides cost, besides being, you know, told that it's wrong, they don't want to spend the time of having someone go through and check their work for errors because everybody knows it's perfect. According to them, everything is perfect. And it, it, it takes too long. I've been told editing takes too long. You know, I, why can't I get it done quicker? Well, again, it goes back. It didn't take you one day to write your book. It shouldn't take one day to edit it. You're going to pay a lot for on, on money in order to get your book published because you're going to pay for the copyright. You know, if you decide to get some books printed, you're going to pay for printing and binding. You know, you're going to invest some money in getting the ISBN. Why not invest in the forefront on editing? So to me, the elephant in the room that I hear people talk about the things they don't like about editing is cost, correction, it takes too long. And, man, I agree. I agree with that. 
And also I wanted to add that um, we have to think about are we willing to pay an even bigger price, it being torn apart by people that are editors and when they try to read it, or by the amount of money you're going to spend replacing books because now you printed all of these books and they're, they're wrong and so you want to fix it now and you're going to come out of pocket a lot. So that's one of the reasons why we, on the front end, make sure that it's right. And so that's exactly why that's the elephant in the room because sometimes we are operating in pride where we don't want to hear and I, I was telling someone just the other day, as an English teacher, the world of literature is a whole nother world. Even from an English teacher standpoint, when you step into the world of literature, sometimes people think their background and their job makes them qualified to be able to edit, especially fiction. Um, so I want to talk about that real quick, but especially fiction. Fiction is one that if you are not familiar with fiction, if you don't know how to develop those characters and really get into the character's head and, and point of view and all of that stuff, then you want somebody who is skilled in that. You don't want to just try to push it out and then the story is not complete. The person tells you about the pacing and all of that. So fiction more than anything else, you have to have edited, and it takes a long time, especially with the length of the book. Even if it's a smaller book, you still have a story to tell. And when we're dealing with nonfiction, the person helps you with developing your ideas. And so we have to be careful with are we willing to pay an even bigger price by replacing and replenishing things when we could have done it right the first time. And so... Um, thank you again, Zara, for sharing that part. We have a couple more questions that we want to answer for the audience. The next question is, how can writers think differently about editing? So how can writers think differently? And I'll answer first, and then, Zara, you can answer. Um, I think writers can think differently about editing by the first thing is remembering that it's your baby. You think of it in more than just, ooh, I want to write something and I want to be able to say that I'm a writer. But it's something that you, that fits you and it's you, it's everything about you that you wrote it. You have to make sure that you take care of it. Like your own kids, you're not going to just say, here, you're not going to just throw them out in the street. You got to make sure they're dressed right and all of that. So it's the same thing with your book babies. So I think when we think of it differently, and we think of it as it's not just a book as well, but it's what God is putting in the earth for me to be able to use, maybe in speaking, maybe in workshops, and all different platforms. We may be able to go into a school, and if it's all messed up, they're not going to take it. So I just wanted to say that about how they can think differently about it. So, Zara, you can add. Amen. I, I totally agree, Denise. And one of the other things um, that I can expand on is about it being like your, your baby. You have to have a personal connection to what you've written. And if you have that personal connection, then you're not going to want to just put it out there. Um, 
one of the things I love is, is when I send my children out, even though they have their own personality, they're still a reflection of me. And so I don't want them to go out looking like a ragamuffin, for lack of a better term. I don't want them. I know that, you know, the stylist that have hole in your pants and jeans, you know, hole in your jeans because it was a style when I was young. But that doesn't mean like in your tights and your leggings you have holes that doesn't even go in the front, you know, or you have holes in your shirt where they're not supposed to be because of wear and tear. You want to put your best foot forth. You want to show the best side of you for the society to see, for everybody to see. And the same thing about your book. It's, a ref- it's going to have your name on it. When you close your eyes for your final time on this earth, that book or those stories will still be here. And people will be able to look at that and make a clarity in a, in a declaration about what kind of person or writer you are. And so I think if you get connected more so in the part where it's, some, it's a part of me and I need to take care of it, it's a reflection of who I am. And, and I think another thing they can do is take classes. Learn about editing. Sometimes people just don't know what the process is. They don't know what an editor does. I had a client once who thought um, the editor was supposed to do the formatting of the book. That's not what editing is. I had another client who wanted to know, were you going to grammatically fix the, 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 the story? Well, yeah, that's editing. So I don't think they know what editing is. So some research on their part, anybody can write. Anybody can go pay money to get stuff done. It's how much time do you put into what you're doing at that moment. If you can put some time into not just wanting to write and putting, and putting a book out there, but learning about the process on your own. Before I became a publisher, I researched publishing and self-publishing for about 10 years. I, I researched writing for about 10 years. So research, get to know people, get to know the community, find out what's going on, and then take a personal interest and what you have and what you're going to display, and then you'll understand that editing editing is needed and it's required if you want to have excellence. Amen. Um, The next part that we're going to talk about briefly is um, you are building a brand. And so I think a lot of times as an author, when I first started writing, I didn't think of it as a brand, but you are – building a brand. And so even not just your book, but your presence on social media and different places, when you're responding in your email, newsletter, wherever, if you are putting things in words and you're a writer, then you need to make sure that somebody proofs that. Um, If you're not sure about it, then have someone, even your editor or proofreader, have them proof it for you before you post it before you post your newsletters and things like that, because I know um, a quick story. When I first started editing, I started on Fiverr, and a lot of people are familiar with Fiverr. But when I started on Fiverr, I'm just setting up my profile, not paying attention, you know, to anything. I'm just setting it up. And, And I set it up quickly, and I move on. Well, at one point, there was this lady And one lady, out of all the times I've done things on Fiverr, one lady says to me, she saw in my profile that something was supposed to be capitalized or lowercase, and it wasn't. And she decided not to send me her book. My first response was getting all black girl magic and stuff. But 
My second response was the response of God saying, well, think about what she's saying. And so when I really stopped and thought about it, it's like, okay, you're a teacher and you're an editor. And what you're putting out there is a brand. And so that person may have not been necessarily looking for that, but when they notice that, they're wondering, okay, is she going to be able to do this? And so that's just an example of how people look with their critical eyes to pay attention to things to our brand. And so we got to look at it as our brand and not just uh, I'm doing something or I'm just this is a hobby, but are you building a brand or do you just want it to be a hobby? So, Zara, I don't know if you want to add to that. Hey, man. Oh, yes, definitely. Like I'm on fire over here right now. <laughs> when it comes to brands, um, what people don't realize is everything you do gives you a notice. It gives you attention. When I was growing up, my grandmother used to tell me, show me your friends and I'll show you you. Birds of a feather flock together. And what that means is, for me, when it comes down to brand building, if you're hanging around with people who just nonchalantly throw stuff out there, they're not conscious about how their business looks because you are your business. You know, we don't have the name of Maya Angelou or Ernest Dickinson. We, you know, we don't have Ernest Hemingway. We don't have those type of names that when we can drop a book like J.P., um, the person who wrote Harry Potter, uh, when we write the, the J.K. Rollins, when we drop our names down, we're not as popular as they are. We're building to that. Now, some of us may obtain that success, and some of us may never obtain that success. But it doesn't mean that you can't always put your excellence and your best foot forward. Everything you do puts your name out there. Every I that is dotted, every T that is crossed, goes out there. Um, as I said earlier when I introduced myself, I'm a substitute teacher. I'm a long-term sub in an art class. And every now and then I have to leave off for speaking engagements. And my class told me once they didn't like the fact that I would leave. And they said, please don't go. And I said, I'm sorry, I have to. I have these speaking engagements that's already been set up, and I have to take them. I have to fulfill my obligation. It's my brand that I'm looking at. I don't want to be the type of person that you get something and all of a sudden you have to, you know, oh, we can't trust that they're ever going to show up because they, they'll book you and then you never show up. No, I'm not going to always cancel. I, I need to be where I need to be. And they told me they didn't like me coming. They didn't like me leaving because the person who had to sit in my class when, they, when, they, when I leave, she's too quote-unquote proper. And I told them, I said, well, when I go to speak tomorrow, I'm going to be just as proper as she is. And they said, but you are hood when you're in the classroom. Well, it's not that I'm hood. I meet my audience where they are. If I use big terminology, they won't understand the words that I'm saying. So if I break it down to the level, I grasp their attention. It's part of the brand that I'm going to be audience-friendly, that I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to use language that's going to be inappropriate for any age and nothing that I won't have a standard for. I'm going to dress the part. I'm not going to be out there flapping and showing everything out because I have a modest kind of style upon me. I'm very conservative in my dress. 
And so when I post pictures on social media, it's going to be conservative. If I tell you some things that's going to happen, it's going to uplift the brand that I'm thinking. It's not going to be tearing anything down. And people don't understand that when you build a brand, people are watching. So, Denise, you are so right. When you, know, when you are a school teacher and you say you're an editor and you're an author and you have a podcast and you're a radio announcer and you are a life they're going to hold you to a higher standard. People are going to be looking at you, and they're going to find a reason to have a fault. Let us have them find a reason not to. Protect your brand. Protect your image. As, as Fresh Prince of Bel-Air told his mother on parents just don't understand, hey, Mom, I got a rep to protect. Your brand is your rep. Protect your brand. That's good. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. And I also wanted to add, for those that write YA or children's books, I know we live in a different time, and, and with this being a Christian podcast, I want to mention this. If you are writing for children, your brand still speaks for you. So if you have curse words all over the place and you're writing children's books, you may want to rethink that because you're, the parents that you want to buy your book are watching you and you're the writer of these books. And so you may think in your head, well, you know, they don't, ha- they don't judge me, but you have to be careful because and let's say children that are fans of your book or fans of your book are following you. How, what kind of image are you putting out there? So that's another part of your brand, being very careful, being very careful what you post on your timeline, being very careful what you post on your business pages. You have to be careful because, again, especially with, children's books, but in in Christian literature, we already know what the Word of God says. And so we have to line up with the Word. But with children's books specifically, if you're writing to children, and children will probably follow you on, on Instagram or Twitter or wherever, you can't put out profane language and their parents are expecting something different. All of the children's books that I've ever read that inspired me or the authors I've ever followed online, they kept that image. They kept their brand clean. And so I wanted to mention that because me as a YA author, I'm very particular about even those people that follow me because I know that I'm setting um, a leadership. I'm a leader for those children when I'm writing. So I wanted to add that. Zara, did you want to add anything else? Um, I, I agree with you when it comes to children because what you, what you fail to realize is if the children can't buy it, it's the parent who goes and buy it. And I'm not going to buy anything that I'm suspect about your character. What I will add is when it comes to editing, don't be bashful, don't be shy. Embrace it. Love it. Use it. Search for it. It's only going to make you better and it's going to make your product better and it's going to make you stand out in a crowd. Love it. Find, the per- find a great editor. I know I have. I have found the perfect editor, and um, I love working with my editor. I love the fact that she's always giving me feedback and giving me information, not just for me but for my clients, and I love that. So thank you, Ms. Denise. I appreciate that. Hey, man, thank you, thank you, thank you. And just a couple tips real quick before we close out. 
couple tips with fiction. I, I know I mentioned a little bit of it, but be very careful. If you can, like um, Zara said, and I probably said as well, make sure you take a class, especially if you're not, you're not gifted in that genre or you're not very, um, or you can't really write that genre like you know it should be written, take a class in especially fiction if you're trying to write fiction because I find that I can write a Bible journal with like the back of my hand. But when it comes to fiction, I had to take a class, and I'm constantly learning things about fiction. So I wanted to give that tip. And nonfiction, for those that are writing nonfiction, if you're writing devotionals, um, what I found just in our time because of the attention span of people, you have to get their attention with nonfiction. If it's your story, keep it simple. Get to the point. Don't have it too long. If you can do part one and part two, then do that. Because if you're not Michelle Obama, they're not going to, if it don't grab them at the beginning, they're probably not going to finish it. So we have to think about that when we're writing nonfiction. And also, Add a little spice to nonfiction if you want to add some journaling or whatever at the end. That's one of the tips I wanted to leave you all with. And Zari, I don't know if you want to add any tips before we close out. Um, just just one tip, Denise. Like like I said, yes, take a class. Not just take one class. Be an avid student of your craft. Always search for something, whether it be physical class or online class, if you can find a group where you can get together and you can teach each other something, research. Um, always learn. People who really want to have excellence, they learn something every day. And then read. You want to learn how to write fiction? Read fiction. You want to learn how to write nonfiction? Read nonfiction. You want to learn how to write a cookbook? Read a cookbook and then start cooking. Be a studier of what you're trying to craft, what you're trying to become a master of. That way you have some examples. Um, I'm a vivid and, and, and visual learner. If you can tell me one thing, but if you can show me, it's ten times better. Show me what I need to do, and I can mimic it. Flattery is the highest form of, you know, everything you need out there. It's the highest form of love. It's the highest form of um, telling someone that you appreciate them, being just like them is the highest form of flattery. Impersonation. So impersonate the people who you want to be like so you'll know the style that you're looking for. Amen. Thank you. That is great advice. Thank you for sharing that. And we're going to go ahead and pray out. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray, God, that something that we said someone that you have called to write, oh, God, would take it in and run with it, Father God, so that they can walk in the purpose that you have placed them in the earth to walk in. Father, we thank you for Zara. We thank you, oh, God, for what you're calling us to do in our lives, God. And we pray that, oh, God, that we will continue to glorify you in everything that we do. And we pray for those that are listening that they would answer the call and write, for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all for tuning in to Hope in Christ with Denise here on Kingdom Influencers Broadcast. Have a phenomenal week.